chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, and then we will be on page 165 in our book, page 165, so Titus chapter 2. I didn't say anything. You didn't get that world look for me. <clears throat> yes. Oh, is that okay? Okay, I got it. <laughs> hey, she's not bothering me. She's not bothering me. Anybody being bothered? I didn't think so. <clears throat> All right, page 165. Yeah, we're going to pick up near the bottom. Uh, the, your first blank for tonight is God's grace develops holiness. <clears throat> God's grace uh, develops holy, holiness. You and I uh, <clears throat> simply cannot sustain a life of holiness on our own. But God's grace develops it in us as we mature in our Christian walk. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And verse 13 looking for the blessed hope and, and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to look at verse 12 for a second and, and just kind of talk about it, uh, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Now, what does that mean? It says, teaching us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. What what does that mean? Anything that's contrary to the Word of God. As we as we study this book, anything that is contrary to this book, we need to avoid. Okay, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live. What's that word? Soberly. What does the word soberly mean? Does it mean that you should not go out and get hammered on 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 Friday night? Huh? Okay. Abstain. What does the word soberly mean? Okay, I heard self-control. What what was that? Clear-minded. Okay. The idea of being sober or soberly minded is to have a clear mind so that you can think clearly. So when it talks about sobriety here or being sober, is it only talking about in our in our culture today? If if I use the 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 sentence, you need to stay sober. What would the context of that be? It would be alcohol, would it not? Okay, but this, what this, this word here does is not limited to just alcohol. It's anything that we bring into our lives that clouds our ability to think clearly. 
Uh, it can be it can be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be <clears throat> a person. Think about that for a second. How many of you know someone that when you get around them, you just don't do well? <laughs> okay? That's not a healthy relationship. That Okay, so this idea of sobriety here, this to be sober is to not allow things into your life that's going to cloud how you think so that you can always think with a clear mind. Now, let me give you an example. I've shared this before, but <clears throat> this is a good example. Those Many of you know that I am a migraine sufferer. And <clears throat> when they... How long has it been? 12 years? Uh, 11 years? 11 years? So about 10 years ago, they were experimenting with different drugs to try and see what would help my migraines. And they put me on one drug, I forget, Topamax. They put me on Topamax, and, and this, I'm not slamming Topamax, but for me, it, it, it hindered my ability to process. I, I, she, my poor wife was about to kill me. And my daughter, yeah, because she was still living at home then. But, I mean, literally, Melanie would ask me a question, and I would be looking at her, and I, I heard the question, but I couldn't process the answer. And the, the next, I, I, I made an appointment with my doctor. I went in to the doctor. I said, Doc, you've got to get me off these drugs. I, 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 I cannot be on these. I have to be able to process. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm told to be sober-minded. And I just told him, I said, you've got to give me... And those kind of drugs, you don't just quit taking them. You have to, you have to wean yourself off of them. So it took a while, but I, I had to get off. Why? Because I have to be sober-minded. I cannot allow anything in my life that hinder me. Now, is Topamax a good drug for people? For, for some people, it is a good drug. For me... It was not a good drug. So, <clears throat> what's the next word? <clears throat> uh, righteously. We need to live soberly and we need to live righteously. What does the word righteously mean? How, how are we supposed to live? Uh, does, that, does that mean we're supposed to live sinless lives? Okay, we're supposed to try to. But what in a real real life world, what does that word mean? There you go. Just do the best you can to be right with God. If you can think clearly, you can walk with God. Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Because we need to make a difference. We need to make a difference. God's grace develops holiness in our lives. <clears throat> Next page. Um, the Christian life is a holy life. And it will manifest itself uh, in separation from activities that are sinful or questionable. Activities that would harm our testimony as we tell others about the Lord. Now... <clears throat> I had there was a man uh, many years ago that used to come to church and 
And he used to enjoy um, sitting in his garage, because this is the only place his wife would let him do this. But he would sit in his garage and would smoke a cigar and drink a beer. And I'm talking occasionally. He just, for whatever reason, he enjoyed doing that. And, you know, he told me that, and I'm, you know, what am I going to do? Tell him he can't. I, you know, that hey, it's his business, his life. He can do what he wants with it. Well, he was sitting in his garage one day, smoking his cigar and drinking his beer, and his neighbor came over, and he tried to tell him about Christ. And he told me, he said, you know what, Pastor? I'm never going to do that again. Because the testimony, the testimony of Christ is far more important than me being able to smoke a cigar and drink a beer. There you go. You know, and, and praise God for that. You, you know, it, it, you know <clears throat> there are certain things in our lives that we should, we need to forfeit so that we can win Christ. <clears throat> Anybody want to add to that before we move on? I don't know if this is kind of in the same context as you're talking about. I'm not going to say names in my world, but when, you, when you're around somebody who says they're a Christian, and I'm not, and I'm not talking about anybody here, I'm talking about just in my world. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're safe, Bob. Right. Well, the Almighty Dollar, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it, it was it was amazing to me, and and I I don't know if I should share this on live TV, but I'm going to. Well, not TV, but but um, on on. Yeah, on 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 Facebook, but I'm I'm going to anyway. Um, uh, Saturday at the men's conference, there were two sessions that were pastors were were asked to go to a different a different room, and I don't know there was 25 or 30 of the of us pastors in this room, and <clears throat> David Gibbs is the an attorney with the Christian Law Association and he was talking to us about lawsuits that are taking place in our country um, against churches and and they are becoming more and more prevalent and they're becoming more and more vicious and he he, he the, I'm just telling you what he said okay uh, and this this man has been a, a Christian attorney 40 plus years, at least 40 years, if not longer. And he, he's argued cases in front of the United States Supreme Court. I mean, this guy has his finger on the, on the pulse of what's going on in churches across our country. And he said that pastors need to get ready to start going to jail. It's coming to our country soon. A lot of, a lot of Canada, 
pastors are going to prison in Canada, uh, and it's coming here soon. But he told us this. He said, he said, I could tell you big name preachers in our country today. And he wouldn't tell us their names. He said, but if I told you the names, most of you or all of you would know these guys who are being sued by the ACLU and some of these other organizations. And their, their comment to him is, whatever it takes to keep me out of prison, that's all I care about. And he said, that's a sad place in Christianity. When we are willing to forfeit what we stand for to keep ourselves out of prison. And it's coming. It's coming. And when he when he said that, I just I sat there and I thought I thought no, it can't be. And he said it's coming. The ACLU is out to destroy Christianity. Just saying. And and there that's just one of many organizations. So our lives need to make a difference. Let's continue reading. <clears throat> you should know that living a set-apart life is not always easy, and not everyone will understand. Even Jesus himself was ridiculed. Now, I want to say this to you, young parents. My wife and I, when we were young parents, we were very unique within our family. Uh, we had many of my aunt and uncles, my, even my parents, uh, my f- close family members, cousins, I mean, you name it, the entire family criticized the way we raised our children, taking them to church, spanking them the whole nine yards. You know what happened when their kids got to be teenagers? My phone was ringing off the hook. What do I do? And the reality is this. If you're going to live for God, you're going to be criticized. But people are going to be watching. Turn over to Matthew chapter 10. I love this passage. Matthew chapter 10. Let's start reading verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? What is the what is the 
Jesus is speaking here. And what is he trying to communicate here? This, this, is, this is important. The disciples, not above his master, nor his servant, a, uh, 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 above his Lord. Now, let, let, let's stop here and understand the culture. How did the majority of, of see, how do I want to say this? Um, in, our, in our society today, we send our kids to school. And after they graduate from high school, what do we expect them to do? <laughs> yeah, get a job, okay? But seriously, what, what, do we, what do we expect them to do? We expect them to leave, get a job, go to college, do something, right? How did they do it back then? Anybody? Okay, when a young... Huh? Right, yeah, right, okay. Um, when a young man got to a certain age, usually what we would consider a preteen, between 10 and 12, he was expected at that point to learn a trade. How did he learn a trade? Okay, from his dad, or what, what if, what if his, his dad had died? Okay, oftentimes it would be another family member, but if that wasn't available, what would he do? There you go. Say it out loud. Apprenticeship. apprenticeship. How much money did an apprentice make? Zero. Zippo. Nada. What, what, basically, he was a slave to a person who could teach him a trade. Oftentimes they would, that young man would move in with the, the master, if you would, the master craftsman, and he would become part of his family. And he would basically, room and board was his pay. So let's go back to understanding the culture now. Let's read this verse again. <clears throat> the disciple is not above his master. What is a disciple? A student. Okay, the student is not above his master. So, who's working for who? The student is working for the master. The apprentice is learning the trade. <clears throat> Nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple or the student that he be as his master. So, what does that statement mean? Think, think about this. Okay? It is enough for the disciple that he be, keyword, as. Okay. He, he is... <clears throat> He is going to be as his master. Now, <clears throat> let's put this in practical terms. If, <clears throat> if, 
a person was going to intern at a mediocre craftsman, what kind of a craftsman will he become? Mediocre. He will be as his master. Okay, I think my, my mind is going back to the silversmith uh, in the uh, revolutionary times. I'm just, Paul Revere was a master silver craftsman. That's what he was. So if you wanted to be the best, you learn from the best. Okay? <clears throat> so if you want to be mediocre, you learn from mediocre. And oftentimes what would happen would be that these interns would learn from a mediocre craftsman and then they would then what? Try to get into a, a more advanced internship, if you would. <clears throat> so, let's continue reading. Even as we seek to live in a way that honors uh, God's holiness, we must allow His love to show through our lives. A, a lack of holiness will harm our witness, but it is our lives that is the mark of a true disciple. So, let's bring it down where the rubber meets the road. If I want to be a godly Christian, what must I do? If I want to be as Christ, what must I do? I need to follow Christ. If you want to be a mediocre Christian, follow another man. But if you want to be as Christ, then follow Christ. Incredible truth. Turn over to John chapter 13. Verse 35, John chapter 13, verse 35. Somebody want to read that? There you go. That you have love one to another. Okay, let's wrap up this section here on discipleship. <clears throat> on, on page 167. Uh, let's let's apply all that we've learned. <clears throat> there is a difference between a believer and a disciple. What's the difference? We just talked about it. You can believe in something, but yet not There you go. Can a person can a person get saved, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and never step door in, a, in the church? And never one time live for Christ and still go to heaven. Uh, yeah, they have. Yeah, we call that fire insurance. Okay. But what is a disciple? Okay, it is the person. It's the person who walks 
as the master. That's the disciple. Huge difference between between the two. Uh, I'm glad that the author of the book brought that out because it's it's huge. Uh, following <clears throat> the Lord fully as a disciple isn't always easy, but it is rewarding. What? I just said, isn't always easy. No, it's not. <laughs> but it is always rewarding. It is always rewarding. Um, here are three ways <clears throat> you can put uh, the truths uh, we have seen in this lesson into practice. First one here. Uh, make a definite decision to fully surrender to God. If you have never made this decision, let me encourage you to do so. In fact, the 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 author here puts it puts the an, an interesting statement here. Let's continue reading. Just as in the Old Testament, uh, animal sacrifice would be a once for all sacrifice. Make a once-for-all commitment to unreservedly follow the Lord. Record the date here and in your Bible. Uh, In response to God's mercy to me, I choose today, once and for all, to, to yield every part of my life as a living sacrifice to God. If you've never done that, let me encourage you to do that. Now I can't tell you the the date. I can't. I can't even. I, I guess if I tried to, I could probably figure out the year. But I can't tell you the month or the day. But I can take you to the to the place on the freeway where this took place in my life. Back when Melanie and I were newly married and. Ashley may have been born. I don't think she'd been born yet, but it was about the time Ashley was 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 born or so. California. <clears throat> I was driving truck for a living. And I was driving down the 15 freeway. Well, now it's rough. Back then it was wide open, okay? <laughs> I was driving my semi down the 15 freeway heading towards San Diego. And I was somewhere between Lake Elsinore and Temecula. Y'all know that area down there? Okay. I was down there and I can, I can take you to the spot on the freeway. And I, I left Corona. The company I worked for was in Corona and I was driving to San Diego. And I, the, from the time that I left the factory in Corona, I argued with God. The entire way. There was no 2:15 Yeah, no, it would have been before the 2:15. Yeah, before the split. Yeah, and <clears throat> they were actually building the 2:15 back then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, so. <clears throat> I came to a point in my life where I knew that day, that spot, that I was either going to live for God or I was going to live for myself. I can take you to the spot in the freeway. And I, I finally, 
got to the point and I said, okay, God, I'll serve you. And I believe with all my heart, if I had said, no, God, I'm going to serve myself, he'd have left me alone. Made my life, while I sit and say left me alone, he would have made my life so miserable. I would have made my life miserable. But I can take it to that spot. I know that day. Yeah. (laughs) We need to make that decision in our lives. And if you've never made the decision to serve God with your life and give Him everything, you need to do that. The second one here. Daily ask God to search your heart. I want to warn you here. <laughs> what can happen when God searches your heart? Well, let, let me ask you this. What ha- well, what, what, can ha- what can happen when God searches your heart? Okay. <laughs> okay. Be ready for conviction. You know? Yeah, and you paid you paid for that. Isn't that awesome? Okay, let, let's read let's read what the author says here. One of the keys to uh, victory over sin is to stay in close fellowship with God. Ask him to reveal any sin in your life and then ask him to forgive you. Don't ask if you're not willing to deal with it. Okay, don't ask God, God, is there any sin in my life? If there is, show me. And then when he shows you, go, oh no, I ain't, do, I ain't touching that one. Don't do that. Keep short accounts with God. Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24 are, are verses you can pray to the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to search your heart. And if if you ask him in sincerity, he will do it. And then it's your responsibility to deal with it. And then the last one here, examine your life. Examine your life. Can other people see the distinction of God's holiness in you? Are there habits, activities, or associations that you need to change? I can't answer that question. I won't answer that question. It's none of my business. That's between you and God. But are there things in your life that you know are hindering other people from getting saved? I'll tell you what, that's a a sobering thought. That is a sobering thought. Yes.
Mm-hmm. Right. We need to be really careful. Because at, the, at our core, at our core, we are all selfish. We want it our way. Anything else before we move on to the next, the, the next chapter? What, what was that? Oh, a little too. Hey, that's all right. Hey, I, hey as long as I don't smell it, we're good. We're good. <clears throat> all right. All right. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Um, page uh, 179. Turn to page 179, and we'll pick up on the new chapter here. Yeah, 179. I don't think so. Yeah, but no, those are the those the, the light gray pages are, are the, the devotion things. Okay, so yeah, chapter nine, the local church. <clears throat> this is this is a, a, an important lesson, a very very important part of what a Christian should be. So, let's start reading here, uh, the introduction. Uh, One of the best parts of the Christian life is being part of a local church. The church is an institution that Christ himself established, and it is his vehicle to bring the gospel to all the world. You and I get to be a part of it. Now, let's stop and think about what he just said. Okay? (laughs) God, in his wisdom, chose the local church to be the avenue for the teaching and preaching of his word and for salvation. We are the vessels that he has chosen. Now, <clears throat> think about that. If, if, you, if you were a businessman and you wanted to make millions and millions and millions of dollars, would you put out a network as crazy as the local church? Well, think about it. Think, think about the makeup just in this room here right now. How many of us have a lot in common? Not much. Right? Okay? Now, we have a divine message to get out. And he uses feeble, sinful human beings. Right? Doesn't make sense to me. It, it just, I, but that's how he's chosen. He has, 
the Bible says that he has chosen the foolishness of preaching to reach the hearts of men. Think about that. Could not have could not God has have have once a person gets saved, he just snatched him up into heaven? He could most certainly do that. But he has chosen the local church as his avenue to reach a lost world. In the business world, that makes no sense. But he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of God's master plan to reaching the world. Let's continue reading. The word church can mean widely different things to different people. So it is, <clears throat> it's important to understand what the Bible teaches about the church. In this lesson, we will see the importance of the church and what the church actually is and how God uses the church in our lives. And this, again, this, this is important that we get this because the church is vital to the fulfillment of God's plan. You know, this morning we talked about unity within the church. And when there is disunity, how does God attack churches? From the outside? Well, he's starting to. Or Satan, I'm sorry. How does Satan attack the church? From, from, the, from the inside. Little, little divisions. And one of the things, and if, if this is happening in our church, don't tell me. But I think the spirit of our church is better than it's ever been. To my knowledge, we don't have any little cliques of people, this little group over here doing their thing, and this little group, and, the, and then that, that, that starts the fighting and the bitter, the, and the backbiting and all that. You know what? We need unity within our church. Because it's about Christ and the commission of the local church. It's not about our little group that our little group gets their way. It's not what it's about. It's about Jesus Christ and the proclamation that he's given us. We have about two minutes. <clears throat> so let's, let's, not, let's not start on, on this lesson, okay? Um, any questions before we, we, we dismiss? We, caught, we covered a lot of stuff tonight, so there's, there's no questions? No comments? Okay, well, let's pray then. Dear Lord, we are truly thankful, uh, grateful for your love and for your work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we talk about this very important subject of the local church, I ask that you would guide and direct in our lives and that you would help us to grow and help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.